1: We are hearing the story this morning, first as a picture book, and this book um, is special to me. This book started as a children's sermon um, several, several Easters ago here in this congregation, and, um, and people thought it was a book, so they asked, what book were you reading from, and so then I made it into a book, and it was illustrated by... Um, a friend of mine who also grew up in this church, Lily Moore, and so it's a joy to share this story with you this way this morning. And if there are people who would, the pictures will be on the screen, but if there are people who would prefer to see the book itself up close, there are some empty pews right up here. And this book, I want to start by saying, was dedicated to the children who teach us to take Scripture seriously. This morning, let this be our blessing. May we all love this story enough to wrestle with it, to play with it, and to live it. There was once a man who loved big enough to change the world. People knew that he was in God and God was in him. Everywhere he went, people would ask him, what's the best way to live? And this man, whose name was Jesus, would answer, Love. Love God, love yourself, love everyone else. Now, there were some people who didn't like what Jesus was teaching. They did not want to be told to love God, to love themselves and to love everyone else. It is a very hard thing to love that big. And so instead of learning this hard thing, they decided to have Jesus killed. This is the hard part of the story. And when we tell this part of the story, we always say, this is not the end. But the cross reminds us of a very sad thing. Jesus' friends, the one who knew that he was in God and God was in him, were very sad. They remembered how they felt when Jesus was around, like God was with them too. Their hearts were broken. And so Jesus' friends put him in a tomb, which was like a cave, and they used a big stone for the door and then they took some time to cry and hug and try to fix their broken hearts but later several of jesus's friends went to the tomb where he was buried sometimes when you are very sad because someone has died it helps to visit their grave the tomb was like a grave and jesus's friends were very sad When they got there, they discovered that the huge, huge stone that had been blocking the entrance was out of the way. Inside, they saw a man dressed in a white robe, who said to them, Do not be afraid. You are sad, but here is the good news. Jesus is alive again. This is a mysterious story this is the story that changes the cross it still reminds us of a sad thing but now it also reminds us of a good important thing now it reminds us that no matter what happens no matter how hard things are we are with god and god is with us that is the secret to loving god Loving yourself and loving everyone else. And now we turn to hearing the story another way. And this other
0: way also started in a community where the story was passed on from generation to generation. And it was someone we've come to know as Luke who wrote it this way. On the first day of the week, at early dawn, the women came to the tomb, taking the spices that they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they went in, they did not find the body. While they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men in dazzling clothes stood beside them. The women were terrified and bowed their heads and put their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? Jesus is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that he would be handed over to sinners and be crucified and on the third day rise again? Then they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all this to the eleven and to all the rest. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them who told this to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter, Peter got up and ran to the tomb, stooping in and looking, and he saw the linen clothes by themselves. Then he went home amazed at what had happened.
1: The author Kate DiCamillo, who wrote um, Because of When Dixie and Flora and Ulysses shared a story sometime last year about being recognized by a little boy in the grocery store. And the little boy was reading another one of her books, The Tale of Despero. And when he saw her, he had one burning question for her. And so he went up to her and asked quietly and a little timidly, would Despero, who is the lead mouse character in the story, be okay? And Kate DiCamillo didn't tell him to wait and see or that he would ruin the story if he knew the ending. She just bent down and said to him, he will be okay. He lives in the end. And the boy's reply is what made the story so precious. He said, oh good, now my heart can relax. Easter is the day when our hearts can relax. Today we know the end of the story. And it's not just the end of the story, as in how did it turn out for Jesus, it is the end of this great cosmic story, the story of all of us. And so we celebrate. There is music and lilies, and after church there will be an Easter egg hunt, and. Probably the people who gave up sugar for Lent will go home and enjoy an extra big chocolate rabbit. (laughs) But underneath all of that fun, maybe there is a question lingering for you this morning. Maybe somewhere you're wondering, what does all of this talk of resurrection really mean? And if that's where you are today, or maybe if you can find that question within yourself, you are in exactly the right place. Because that question is exactly where where Easter lives. The Easter story, we've heard it two ways now, begins in darkness. The morning light hadn't even broken across the horizon when the women rose and they got dressed. And Luke doesn't tell us where they were staying, or whether they crept out of a house together, or if they had arranged a meeting place after the tragedy that we call Good Friday. But we do know that it is only them, that they arrive at the tomb just as the light breaks. Dr. Amy Robertson, who is a Jewish scholar and teacher, says that Caring for a loved one's body after death is perhaps the greatest mitzvah, or good deed, because it cannot be repaid. And so for these women who learned from and followed Jesus, it's urgency. It's the urgency of this last act of love that calls them out of their beds and along Jerusalem's quiet streets. Have you ever noticed that the world looks different at that time of the morning. When I was a kid, my dad used to leave for work before five every morning, and every once in a while, for some reason or another, I would go with him. And as I got up, sort of sleepily getting dressed and moving quietly through the house, there was a feeling of magic. The road that I knew so well in the daylight from riding my bike along it looked different as we pulled out of the driveway. The trees looked alive in a new way. Even the houses on the neighborhood seemed like they were waiting. The early morning is a time of mystery. By daylight, the sun calls to us, and it moves us through our day. There are decisions to be made and things to be done, and the clock is always ticking. But in that early morning softness where this story first takes us, we are free to let our minds ponder the possibilities. If we look at the resurrection accounts under this light, we see something about them. They aren't problems to be solved. They aren't mysteries the way we think of mysteries where we eagerly find out the ending. They are possibilities to be lived. In a podcast called The Gospel According to Vincent, Matthew Meyer Bolton, who is a Christian scholar, tells a story about Van Gogh's approach to art. Van Gogh was painting in the 19th century, right when photography was invented. And the promise of photography, of course, is its accuracy. And so as people flocked to this new way of capturing things, of getting uh, on paper the exact events and people and places, Van Gogh offered a different viewpoint. He said that in his painting, he was seeking an art form more realistic than photography. It seems like an odd statement from somebody who created pieces like Starry Night. Those swirls of yellow on Van Gogh's painting look very little like the night sky if you go out and you just look up. But for Van Gogh, what mattered wasn't the sight of something, it was the feeling of it. If we pay attention to the feeling of the story from today, we notice first that there is movement. From the women arriving before dawn to the way that Peter runs to the tomb, things are happening. There's maybe a brief pause when the women enter the tomb, a quick moment where they are looking around and the story stands still, but it doesn't last long. Immediately, they go back and they tell the other disciples. The story seems to call us forward. Look and see, look and see. He is not here, he is risen. Perhaps what's most surprising then about a story that is so full of movement is that it's not just a story about running headlong into the future. Here in Luke, the Easter experience is only understood in the context of memory. The men in the tomb do not rush to explain everything to the perplexed women as they stand there. They don't even explain that they are angels. We find that out later in the story. Instead, they simply say, remember. Remember what he told you. And I imagine that with those words there in the early morning light, as grief turned to surprise, and then into wonder, they did remember. They remembered not only what Jesus had said, but how they had felt when they were with him. They remembered why they had begun following him in the first place. They remembered the hope of a new world that they heard in his teachings. And then in that act of remembering, they found the faith to believe that God had done one more impossible thing. What is it that you remember this Easter morning? Is it a warming in your heart when you felt a sense of peace that was so deep that you can't describe it even today? Maybe it was an experience with something that can only be described as angelic or a voice that whispered to you at a moment when you needed it. Maybe you remember even the sensation of a loved one's presence. It is always so tempting to question these experiences. We are a rational people, and that's perhaps why we're generally very good about talking about the theology of the resurrection, and less comfortable talking about our experiences of it. But for the three women and the tomb and those that they told, For the people who have heard the story, these centuries, and for us, the way forward is found by looking back. When we find that our hearts have tensed up again, whether it is because the world seems so impossible, or because our losses and our griefs are so heavy, we don't just look for hope out there somewhere. We remember. There is so much wisdom to be found in the stories of scripture, but remembering these stories isn't just about believing them. Honoring them means paying attention to the question that they ask of us. And the question it asks of us today is, when have you encountered the living Christ? the God who could not be contained. And so as we continue our celebration today and worship this morning in whatever way awaits you when you leave, let this time be a time of memory. And in the memory of God's work in the past, in each of your lives, may you find the trust that God is leading even now into the future.